6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Dr. Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Dr. Missler completes his teaching on the book of 1 Kings, chapters 12 through 14. Three centuries later, there is a king by, by the name of Josiah who comes and he kills the priests and men's bones are burned on the altar. This is what this young guy is saying. How do you think Jeroboam felt about that? Jer- the king is standing there, by the way, at Beth- Bethel. It isn't just, you know, he's the king, right? And this prophet comes <laughs> and nails this, right? Now he's, he gave a sign the same day saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. Now this is often a pattern in Scripture. A prophet will make a prophecy from that's going way, way out there, but it'll include something locally to prove that he's really a prophet. You follow me? And so, and it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him! <laughs> and his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. In other words, not only did it wither, he couldn't retract it. That must have impressed everybody. You know? Um <laughs> So he, 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 Jeroboam the king is ordering the arrest of this prophet, but he found out that God's authority is greater than Jeroboam's. That's the point that God is making here. And he could, he could paralyze Jeroboam and make him useless. And guess what? The altar was rent. Just like the prophet said, it's split. The altar was rent and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him again, and became as it was before. If you were Jeroboam, do you think you'd be impressed? Do you think you'd be impressed enough to change your ways? You know, in the comfort of our seats here, looking back, we say, of course, if that was me, I would have learned from that and repented. Jeroboam did not. Did not. And... uh, that's, uh, you know, he acknowledged God's power and, and, uh, uh, and so forth. He, has, he referred to, but it's interesting, he says, entreat now the face of the Lord thy God. Uh-oh. You see, that's, that's, that's indicting there, isn't it? That's indicting. Now, his, his, this, uh, uh, the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh thyself and I will give thee a reward. Now, this might have been the nature of an apology for attempting arrest, or it might be a device for warding off some other more, uh, you know, the, the softening the judgment that's coming, what have you. The man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. In other words, he's instructed to not eat, not drink, and not go back the way he came. So far, this young man sounds like Daniel, doesn't he? 
I mean, that's the kind, you sort of almost can hear Daniel's style there, you know. Up yours, O king, no way, you know. So he went, uh, so he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. So far, so good, right? This young guy has done pretty well. He's obeyed the Lord up to this point. Now is when the story gets weird. And uh, we'll try to take it slowly so we can follow the logic here. Verse 11, now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. This is a different guy, obviously. And notice where he's living. He's old, number one. Number two, he lives in Bethel. I don't know what kind of guy he is, but he's living in a strange place in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father. And their father said to them, What way went he? For his sons had seen the way that the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said to his son, Saddle me an ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak, and said unto him, Art thou the man of God that came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me, and eat bread. Well, what the king, with all his riches, could not accomplish... A believer, I'm assuming he's a believer, but obviously not having the mind of the Spirit here, what the king could not accomplish, this believer did. See, the sons of the prophet told their father about the prophecy that had been made against Jeroboam. And uh, so, acting on their report, he went after him here. And uh, come home with me and eat bread. And the young man said, uh, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me, By the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water here, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. A repeat of what he told the king. He's telling the prophet. But notice what the prophet says in verse 18. He said unto him, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water. But there's a very key phrase here. But he lied unto him. So this old prophet lied to him. In fact, uh, he didn't say just saying the Lord spake to me. He uses a strange thing. You know, uh, uh, He sort of equivocates here. And the angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord and so forth. Trying to perhaps create more authority here or something. And uh, the angel, the messenger, which means messenger, by the way, was no, none other than his own sons. We can only surmise that this guy is motivated by his own self-interest. He wanted to curry finger, uh, favor with the king uh, because uh, you know, this, this is a very impolitic kind of uh, announcement by the young man. And so by hastening after the prophet from Judah and by deceiving him and giving him an invitation, uh, he might try to prove that, he'd been a, that he's an imposter. He's trying to break the, the, the credibility of, of, this, of this young man, apparently. And, uh, you know, there is, there is a practical lesson here, because, well, let's, let's get and see what happens as a result of this. He cried unto the man of God that came up from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, thou hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drink water in this place of which the Lord did say unto thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. Now, this is kind of strange. See, the old man who deceived him, still is hearing from the Lord. By the way, uh, uh, I hope I did, maybe I missed a key verse here. Uh, 
He lied to him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. So the young man believes this guy, goes back and and uh, eats bread and, and, and drank water and so forth. He came past and sat at the table. The word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. The old man is hearing now from the from the Lord. And that strikes us as strange, but that happens in a number of places. There are prophets who sinned that the Lord still speaks to. Jonah and Elijah being examples in their in their career. But thou camest back, and because he cried on the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord. Now this is straight from the Lord through the old prophet. For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and has eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which the Lord did say unto thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. That is a real blow to that culture. That you're not only going to die, but you're, not, you're you are not going to be buried with your fathers. That that is uh, uh, intended to to uh, to uh, you know uh, upset him. And uh, so the old man is announcing the fate of the younger prophet right then and there because the young prophet had disobeyed the Lord's command. So he won't be given an honorable burial. Now to, many, to us at first this seems awfully unfair. The young guy did pretty well. And this old man is the guy that caused him to stumble. And God communicates through the old man the young man's um, destiny and uh, for, for his, because of his disobedience. But part of the, our inability to fully appreciate this is we fail to understand the importance that God put upon the young man's mission. Because that announcement to Jeroboam was not just for Jeroboam, it was for the nation. And and uh, it was essential when on assignment for the Lord that we uh, perform it faithfully. There are implications there that are, that are uh, deeper than may be on the service. There are a lot of examples of this in Scripture. Moses, you may recall, at one time at the rock, he, he struck the rock with his stain and, and the water came and that was fine. Many years later, he's again without water. And again, God says, you know, speak to the rock and it'll give you water. And Moses goes there and, and angrily hits the rock. You know, you, you and I say, gee, that's kind of trivial. I mean, God calls Moses, I, you know, I'm not mad at them. You let them think I'm mad at you. Mad at them. And because of that, you're not going to enter the promised land. What? Moses spent 40 years in Egypt and 40 years in the backside of the desert and then 40 years wandering the wilderness with one dream to enter the, the, the promised land. God says, you'll see it from the hill, but you're not going to be able to go because you didn't do what I told you to. God means what he says and says what he means and expects obedience. The implications of that, he didn't tell him to strike the rocks, he said, speak to the rock. It turns out that if he'd done what God says, it would have been a model of the first and second coming of Christ in some ways that are... Uh, we won't get into here. The point is, God may have purposes that are profound, and we shouldn't second-guess the significance of that and compromise them. We should do God means what he says and, and, and says what he means. And uh, this young man did fine, but God told him not to eat and so forth, and he allowed this prophet to shift him off his mission. And that's one of the, that's one of the disturbing... There's lots of lessons here. You can you can actually make a list of twenty things that you learned from this chapter about prophets, but one of the main things that uh, points I'd like to make is that the advice of other men, even if they're Christian friends, should not be substituted for the clear call of the Lord. And uh, the Scripture says, "Many counselors wisdom," and we need to listen to that. But when the God calls you and you know what God wants you to do, that should supersede. 
And it's a tough, it's a tough place to be, but you, got, and you obviously have to be sure that God is calling you. But, uh, this is a very sobering event here. Now it goes on, it came to pass that after he'd eaten bread and after he had drunk and they, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. Now this was not just a, an, a, an accident of wild game. Because notice what happens. His carcass was cast in the way, the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. Notice what's happening here. The people that are watching are not attacked. The donkey is not attacked. The carcass is not being devoured. The lion killed it and is standing at attention alongside. Anyone, they, they clearly recognize that this was supernatural. This was a judgment. Behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. And he spake to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. And he went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man. That took guts. (laughs) Laid it on the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave. And he mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. It came to pass, after he had buried him, that he spake unto his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones." For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria surely shall come to pass. And after this thing Jeroboam returned not from his evil way but made again the lowest of the people priests of the high places whomsoever he would he consecrated him and he became uh, one of the priests of the high places. So despite all this, this strange episode, Jeroboam hasn't learned a thing. He continues... The doing the things that are offending God. Now, what you're not seeing here is a lot of the other things going on. Jeroboam did a lot of other things that are probably very positive, but not spiritually. As far as God is concerned, he's a loser. Big mistake. Now, as you go through this, uh, it's, 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 uh, tough. it's tough going to try to sort this out because we find this so strange. The, the prophet that was lying wasn't killed. The young man who didn't do his duty got killed. And the lying prophet, the old fella, is an instrument by God announcing the judgment. He obviously, he obviously, as he realized what was going on here, must have grieved. He may have gone through far more agony than we have capacity to imagine to realize that he was the fault, the fault of not only the young man's death, but also the, 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 uh, to, to be in God's way for what God was trying to do here. Uh, he, he, I don't think it was easy for him either, but, but part of us, what what the story really underscores, I believe, is the importance of consistent and complete obedience. And uh, added privilege gives added responsibility. And most of us have far more privileges than any of these people had. And we need to understand with that goes a a, a responsibility. And uh, so, the, uh, the the greater the, the the young man had a greater responsibility than the old man, so he was punished more severely. And so, uh, okay. Um, this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from the face, from off the face of the earth. So ends chapter 13. Well, one more chapter and we'll get going here. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. And, uh, 
The, uh, don't, now, this should not be confused with Rehoboam's son by the same name, by the way. They both had sons. <laughs> Jeroboam was just a son at this time. Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, disguise thyself, that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam, and get thee to Shiloh. Behold, there is Ahijah the prophet, which told me that I should be king over this people. Now, Ahijah was the guy that first told Jeroboam that he's going to you know, have this incredible opportunity. Now, Jeroboam's thinking here is pretty confused, because if he's a prophet, do you think his wife's disguise is going to fool him? See, the whole, the whole ruse uh, betrays uh, unbelief. Uh, and Shiloh, by the way, was the sanctuary uh, in the previous dwelling place of the ark. The town now became the dwelling place of Ahijah, the prophet. So, and, and, uh, so uh, the, the prediction of his coronation was back again in, in uh, chapter 11 we, from last time. And uh, so he tells his wife, uh, <laughs> Take thee ten loaves and cracknells and a cruise of honey and go to him, and he shall tell thee what shall become of the child. Jeroboam's wife did so and arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were set by reason of his age. So he's so old at this point, he can't see clearly, but he, he can see a lot more clearly than she has any idea. And the Lord said unto Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam cometh to ask a thing of thee for a son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shalt thou say unto her, for it shall be when she cometh in, that she shall feign herself to be another woman. And it was so, when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, she came in at the door, and he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. <laughs> Why feignest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. Ooh. Go tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, for as much as I exalted thee from among the people, and made thee prince over my people Israel, and rent the kingdom away from the house of David, and gave it thee. And yet thou hast not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments, who followed me with all his heart, to do that only which was right in mine eyes. But thou hast done evil above all that were before thee. For thou hast gone and made thee other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and hast cast me behind thy back. Therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam and I will cut off from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel and will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as a man taketh away dung till it all be gone. Can you imagine God talking to you that way? Him that pisses against the wall is a way of speaking of his male descendants. It may start, it's a strange idiom in our ears, and uh, it may be offensive to some of you. If so, I apologize, but that's the, you can see the text. That is, that is a faithful rendering of the Hebrew. And, uh, the, uh, uh, but can you imagine God recounting all the incredible things he's done for Jeroboam, but instead Jeroboam has gone out of his way to get God angry. So therefore I'll bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam and cut it off from... Jeroboam, him that pisses against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel, and will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam, as a man taketh away dung till it all be gone. That's called cleaning house, man. Um, him that dieth of Jeroboam in the city shall the dogs eat. And that's going to be literally true, as we'll see later. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat, for the Lord hath spoken it. Arise thou, this is the, the prophet now speaking on behalf of the Lord, Arise there, thou therefore, and get thee to thine own house. And when thy feet enter into the city, the child shall die. She came to find out what's going to happen to her son. 
Well, not only her son, all her sons. But, but uh, incidentally, as a footnote, the prophet says, by the way, your son's going to die when you cross the threshold. When you cross the city limits, he's over. So tough. that's a tough message. Tough, tough message. So she was disguised, then discovered, and then doomed. And uh, tough, tough deal. See, God in verse 9 said that Jeroboam had done more evil than all who lived before him. That refrain is going to echo in the succeeding kings. Each one gets worse. And all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he, for he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, because in him there is found some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord shall raise him up a king over Israel, who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam that day. But what? Even now. And frankly, no one's quite sure, translators are quite sure what to make of that last part, except it's, it's a way of emphasis. And in the Hebrew, it's a form of emphasis. In the translation, it suffers perhaps. For the Lord shall smite Israel as a reed is shaken in the water, and he shall root up Israel out of this good land which he gave to their fathers, and shall scatter them beyond the river because they have made their graves, excuse me, made their groves, provoking God to anger. Made their groves. What they're talking about here, on the high places, they would carve out of trees and so forth, phallic symbols. And they were part of the, the, the licentious worship of Ashtaroth and all that. So, uh, they're very offensive. That's when you see the word groves, it's usually a translation of Ashtaroth or the Hebrew terms alluding to these phallic symbols. And he shall give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam who did sin and who made Israel to sin. And Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Terza. And when she came to the threshold of the door, the child died. And they buried him, and all this Israel mourned for him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by the hand of his servant Ahijah the prophet. And the rest of the acts of Jeroboam, how he warred, how he reigned, behold, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And the days which Jeroboam reigned were two and twenty years, and he slept with his fathers. And Nadab his son reigned in his stead. And Rehoboam the son of Solomon reigned, and now we're shifting from the south to the north. Excuse me, from the north we're shifting to the south. And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was forty and one years old when he began to reign. And he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord did choose out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Nama the Ammonitess. Notice, by the way, Rehoboam is part of the problem. Rehoboam was the son of a foreign wife. Solomon took foreign wives. One of these was uh, 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 Ammonite. Uh, Ammonite. And uh, uh, so... You can sort of assume that the mother's influence, or lack thereof, either way you want to put it, uh, on Rehoboam is part of the problem. Part of the problem. So Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, which provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they had committed above all that their fathers had done. They also built them high places and images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. So there was idolatry of the south too. It wasn't the official uh, thing uh, like the north, because they still had the temple and they still had the temple worship but they also had these other things going on. So there were also sodomites in the land. And they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel, referring, of course, to the days of Joshua and so on. It came to pass in the fifth year of the king Rehoboam that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. There's a lot of supplementary information, by the way, in all of this in Second Chronicles about chapter 13 and so forth. But the accounts in First Kings are really more full and focus on the spiritual dimension with more intensity. But uh, anyway, we just shifted now to, to uh, uh, Rehoboam's uh, uh, thing to the south here. Um, there were sodomites in the land. 
And they did it all according to the abomination of the nations which the Lord cast out before them. Does that sound familiar? See, the same practices which God had purged out of the, the, the moral cancer out of the land, uh, uh, they're, they're now bringing back in. The, the cancer that plagued them in Joshua's day are now coming back to haunt them. Came past in the fifth year of the king Rehoboam that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. Now, this Shishak was realized was probably, he may have been the Solomon's father-in-law. Remember, he married the daughter of, of Pharaoh, was one of his first foreign wives. Uh, this, this is probably Sheshonk, uh, the first of the Egyptian records, the founder of the 22nd dynasty. But he is, he, whether he realizes it or not, he's an instrument in the hand of the Lord for punishing the national defection here. And this is the first serious foreign invasion of Israelite territory since the days of Saul. This is the Pharaoh that gave asylum to Jeroboam earlier. And uh, so in, Jeroboam, in Rehoboam's fifth year, he tried to establish Egyptian supremacy over the whole region. His military campaign included Judah, Israel, Edom, Philistia, and netted him control of 156 cities. So this is no slouch. In the Temple of Karnak, the record of his campaigns is inscribed on the interior of Ammon's temple on the south wall in a relief freeze. And a briefer, more concise, sober account is given here in the Bible where it is honestly admitted that Shishak despoiled the beautiful temple before he agreed not to pillage Jerusalem fully. And he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord, the treasures of the king's house, and he took away all, and he took away the shields of gold which Solomon made. But he doesn't plunder the city other than that. And the, the king Rehoboam made in their stead brazen shields and committed them into the hands of the chief of the guard, which kept the door of the king's house. And so it was so when the king went in unto the house of the Lord that the guard bare them, brought them back into the guard chamber. Now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And uh, there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried in the, with his fathers in the city of David. His mother's name was Nama the Ammonitess, and Abijam his son reigned in his stead. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Dr. Chuck Nussler, teaching through the book of 1 Kings. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.